0: We'll be in Galatians 1. Uh, We'll be starting in verse 6 today um, as we get started. We live in a culture today um, that is constantly changing from fashions and trends to technology. um, We live in a day and age where the majority of us play catch up as we uh, go through our day. I mean, honestly, if you think back 20 years ago, um, where technology was then to where we are now, um, it's Pretty amazing, actually. Um, I was reading some statistics. There are some billions of TVs in America that exist today. Um, And just an interesting statistic, about 2 million of those now exist in our bathrooms. Um, I'm not cool enough to have one in my bathroom. I wish I did. Um, That would definitely make going to the bathroom a lot more pleasant. Um, I may never come out. Uh, (laughs) um, but, But we just live in a day and an age where things um, are moving at a very quick pace. Um, it, we, just, we just can't seem to keep up. And because of this, things tend to get a wee bit chaotic in our lives. Um, I know that me personally, I just run through my week, and when the weekend comes, I realize that the week is over, um, and it, I blinked and it passed. And it's just a very chaotic mess most, most of the time um, with work and activities. Um, just this, this fast-paced everything just kind of becomes commonplace. Um, and this chaos that exists in our lives actually is somewhat of a natural thing to us as sinners. Um, and this chaos tends to actually lead us into rebellion um, most of the time as well. And this rebellion, this chaos, tends to bleed over into our religion as well. Um, there are a ton of voices out there that are shouting and bringing many different messages every day. Um, it gets rather confusing and chaotic when we listen to everything that's out there being preached about the Bible, about God, about all these different other gods, um, about um, these these things that can make us feel good. There's just a lot of different messages out there now um, and religions out there to, to bring chaos into our lives, into our religion as well. Um It's kind of like, say you were listening to an iPod, um, and you're walking down the street, and you walk past a construction site. You can't really hear your music anymore. It's there, um, it exists, and if you listen real hard, you can hear it, kind of. Um, But the construction seems to kind of drown it out. And this is kind of what happens to the message of the gospel, it has has happened to the message of the gospel in, in today's age? As we hear all these voices, as there's so many things out there shouting for our attention, um, trying to make the biggest splash out there, the gospel kind of gets muddled in the midst of it all. Um, and it's it's not. And we follow these things, and we hear these things, and we tend to actually to move towards them in our rebellion. We tend to move towards these things, the, this construction noise. And it's not because we're dumb, um, and it's not because um, we, just, we don't know. It's because it sounds good. Um, in our sin, this construction noise, this muddledness, this, uh, this chaos that comes, uh, sounds somewhat like a symphony to us in our sin. Um, and so we move towards it, not because it's, it's, uh, we're stupid or because uh, we don't think about it, but because it sounds good um, and actually has some substance to it. And so we, we move towards it. Um, we look out there and we see all these preachers that, that say they're Christians. They use the Bible. They preach from the Bible. Um, and so what they preach makes us feel good. So it's, it's not bad, right? I mean, they're feeding us food, and food is, is food, right? Uh, I think Paul would vehemently say no. And I think this is actually kind of where we meet the church of Galatia um, at this time that Paul is writing to them. I think that we see a church that has a lot of voices yelling at it. Um, one in particular for the law to come back as well as the gospel. And it, it, the gospel has become kind of muddled. Um, and they can't quite hear what the truth is. And it's not because they're dumb. And it's not because they, they can't think about it or because they just don't know what's going on. But because it sounds good. Um, and it sounds right. And, and, and so... They, they move towards us. And I think we see here Paul in this letter pleading for the Galatians to come back to the gospel, to hear the gospel louder and more clearer than they hear all the other voices. And, and this, is, this is what Paul is doing in Galatians, um, specifically um, where we're going to be today. And so let, let's get into the text. We'll be starting in verse 6. Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, Let's pray real quick. God, we love you. Um, We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for being a sovereign God, um, a God who is worthy of our praise and our worship. Um, God, today I pray as we come into this text, as we um, read what Paul was writing to the Galatians, God, I pray that you work here, um, that your spirit moves, um, God, that we come to a clearer understanding of what your gospel is, um, that we might worship you better, we might love you more, Um, and might give you all the glory. I pray for me and my nerves, God. I pray that um, you speak through me. I pray that you do a mighty work here today um, through what you have to say in your word. Uh, God, we love you so much, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Something interesting here in the text that we see um, that most commentators would note is that Paul goes directly from the salutations to... Um, the text, and he skips over the thanksgiving. Um, And all the letters, almost all the letters that you'll read from Paul, he has a pretty set format where he goes and he greets the people that he's writing to. He gives thanksgiving, uh, thanks God for them and the things that they're doing. Um, And then he gets into what the text is actually about, uh, what the letter is about, um, and kind of expounds upon that. Um, We see in Galatians that he gets rid of that completely and skips directly into the message. And I think this speaks directly into the importance that he felt um, in writing what he was writing to the Galatians. Um, that there was no thanksgiving. He went directly into the text because he found what he was getting ready to write about so utterly important. Um, but you do see at the very beginning exactly what um, he's, he's shooting for. Um, and, and it's the gospel. You see, even in that little chunk of scripture that I read, the gospel, the word gospel is said seven times. Um, he is. Paul is very much talking about the gospel as he gets into Galatians. Um, and the reason that he's doing this, and, and we'll find this out a little bit later as we keep reading into Galatians and going through it, um, is because there were people who had come and slipped into the church and added, maybe, to the gospel a little bit. They had said. That Jesus was good, um, but it wasn't enough. That they needed a little bit something more. Um, And specific, they needed the law uh, and circumcision. That that the Mosaic Law needed to be a part of salvation, a part of that process, a part of the gospel. And Paul... um, Paul fought back. I mean, Paul had already worked so hard to... Plant and build a church here in Galatia that was focused on Jesus that he wasn't going to let this happen In fact, this is not something anything new to paul Uh, if you go back to acts 15 Paul goes to a meeting in jerusalem with the church of jerusalem and actually has a discussion and a debate with all of the church leaders at the time Talking about the fact that there were those that were out there that were preaching Circumcision needed to be a part of christianity and paul goes into this meeting just completely against that. Um, and he, he gives the gospel and he shows what the gospel is and that it has nothing to do with circumcision and, and goes on his way. Uh, in the end, actually kind of wins the debate that he has. And so we see this isn't a new fight for Paul. This is something that he had given his life to. Um, in fact, he had, if you'll read in Corinthians, he'd been shipwrecked, he'd been beaten, he'd been stoned. Um, you name it, um, bad, it had happened to Paul. And it wasn't because um, he was forced to do it, but because this is what his life was about. This was what his life was given to. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was it. He wanted nothing more than Christ to be preached and him glorified. And that's it. Um, So you see that Paul goes into this as he's writing to the Galatians, not because he thinks he's smarter, not because he thinks he knows it all, but because he loves Jesus and the gospel so much that he's willing to go to, to battle with these people. And that's that's where we meet him today. Um, he, w- he would go as far as to saying that those that preach a different gospel, even if you read in there, that those who preach a different gospel have a curse on them. I mean, he found this utterly important, immensely important. In fact, I, he, I would say that it was his life. Um, and that, that's why he had to write What he wrote. Uh, And this is why he had to fight for the gospel. Because the gospel is what matters in our life. Jesus Christ and the gospel is what matters in our own life. Without the gospel, we have no salvation. Without Jesus, we are condemned to an eternity in hell. Rightly so. Justly so. But we are condemned to an eternity in hell. But because of the gospel we have salvation and we have grace and we have love and we have acceptance and we have an identity founded in Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul had to write what he did here. And I think it's our job to see the fight that Paul was having. It is, it is our um, job to look at this text and see um, that if it was so important to Paul to keep the gospel pure and to keep the gospel holy and to keep the gospel true, that we need to look at our own lives and we need to look at what's out there and we need to discern what is the true gospel. Um, And so we come to this, and and the question now is, so how do we know if the gospel we follow is the same gospel that Paul is talking about here in Galatians? How do we discern that? How do we decide that? Where do we find that? Um, And I think in, in these verses that I read to you, Paul gives us a test of sorts, a litmus test. Um, that we must apply and look at to discern if the gospel we follow is the true gospel. Um, so we're going to go through five things that I think Paul uh, lays out for us to see if the gospel we follow is the true gospel. Uh, so first, first of all, um, I think Paul wants to point out that the gospel is a gospel of grace. Uh, verse 6 says, "...I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him, him who called you in the grace of Christ." and are turning to a different gospel. Uh, We learned last week that Paul was extending grace and peace to these Christians because that is what the gospel brings, is grace and peace. Um, This gospel that we follow, this gospel that we preach, this gospel that we give our lives unto, must always, totally, solely, completely be about grace and faith alone. Um, Nothing more, nothing less. It must be about grace. As we read in Scripture... Um, we come to understand our own condition, we understand that we are depraved and we are sinful, um, that we don't deserve the grace of God. And we come to understand that the only way we can be saved, the only way the gospel can be true, is if it is by grace. Now grace is is defined as unmerited or um, unearned merit or favor. It is something that is given to us with no action of our own. In fact, I would say if we did something to obtain grace, it no longer is grace. Um, it, It nullifies the effect of grace if we do something to receive it. If we do something to earn it. If we work for it. It is no longer grace. The gospel is one where with no actions of our own, Jesus comes and saves. He calls us. He loves us. He saves us. And through faith, we come to believe that this grace saves us. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says um, that by grace we are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that none of us can boast. The first thing that Paul wants to point out, the first thing that Paul wants us to see that the gospel is, is that it is a gospel of grace. Um, Secondly, Paul wants us to understand that the gospel is a powerful gospel. Um, we see also in verse 6, he starts out with saying, I am astonished that you were so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. He, he is mesmerized. He is blown away at the fact that they could leave something so beautiful, so magnificent, so big, so powerful. It's not because, because they're following something that they just they leave something that's dumb, but, but they're leaving something that is immensely greater than anything they could have ever imagined. That the gospel is something that is powerful. In its essence, it is the power of God. Romans 1.16 says, That I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. The gospel, in its essence, is the power of God. Um, if you read, a, I, think, I think Paul's a great example of the power of God in the gospel. Because if you read in Acts, Paul first began as Saul. Um, and he lived his life to destroy the church of God. Um, he, he says later, in, a little bit further in Galatians, that um, he acted violently and murderously towards the church. That was, that was his drive. That was his motivation. He was out to destroy the church of God, the, the church of Jesus Christ. And he's riding on the road to Damascus, and God stops him. Jesus appears to him, knocks him down, and you see immediately there's a change. And you take a guy, Saul, who hated the church, who wanted to destroy the church, who wanted to murder Christians, who approved of everything that had to do against Jesus, to a guy who immediately begins preaching the gospel once he, the blindness is lifted. That the gospel of God came to, to, to Saul, changed him to Paul, and made a a missionary for the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout this world that has changed everything. I think we see the power of God in that to take somebody like Paul or Saul or somebody like us who is a sinner, who is deserving of, of hell and condemnation, and the gospel comes in, and it powerfully and radically changes the life of a Christian when they come to faith in Christ. The gospel of God is a powerful gospel. And if the gospel you follow has not in some way powerfully changed your life, and I'm not saying it needs to be a Damascus Road experience. Jesus does not need to appear to you and knock you down and blind you. But I'm saying if you cannot look At your life now, from where your life was, in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life as a Christian, then I would say you need to look at the gospel that you follow and the gospel you believe in. Because the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a powerful gospel. Um, Paul continues, and and in verse 7, he goes on and he says... um, Verse 6 going on to 7, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Uh, Thirdly, the gospel is the only gospel. There is no other. Um, It is very exclusive. It is very... It's just it. There's nothing more to it. Paul is very clear here to state that there is only one gospel. Uh, In today's age, there is a very prevalent teaching um, of this vague spirituality um, where we can take what we want um, from wherever we want and kind of make our own little religion um, and create our own little gospel. Uh, There was a really interesting article that uh, Seth sent to me. I think somebody else sent it to him um, in USA Today that spoke uh, just incredibly into this. Um, In this article, the author talks about the fact that people around the world today are not sticking to one particular gospel or set of religious beliefs, but are taking from many different religions to create a gospel that fits them best. Um, George Barna, in the article, um, he's a Christian researcher that's out there. He actually made this this quote in there, and I, I think it's... Very true. Um, He said, there are 310 million Americans today, um, and very soon there will be 310 million different religions. Um, It's crazy. There was a woman in there that had grown up in a a, 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 uh, very traditional Christian home, and it didn't really suit her well, so she began looking into Baha'ism and kind of took some from there and then got into Native American spirituality, took a little bit from there, and still called herself a Christian. Um, I think Paul very clearly in this text tells us that she is not a Christian. Um, and that we cannot take from all these different things and create a gospel because there is only one gospel. And that is it. Um, this this belief that there is a bunch of different ways to heaven and a bunch of different ways to salvation and a, a ton of different ways to God is called pluralism. Um, and it, it is very prevalent. But Paul here is very clear to define for us that the gospel is one gospel. Jesus, I think, speaks clearly into this. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The gospel is exclusive. It is singular. There is only one. There is not many. Um, Fourthly, Um, I think we can see that from this text that God's that this gospel is God's gospel and not man's Uh, verse 11 into 12 says for I would have you know brothers that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel for I did not receive it from any man nor was I taught it but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Many of us today have been explained that the gospel is very much about us that we had something great to offer, that we were awesome, that we were worthy and deserving of the gospel. That Christ came to die for us because we deserved it. Um, because we, we had something to offer him. Um, but the truth is, the gospel is about God and his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And that is it. God sent his son not because we deserved it, but because he deserves the glory. Um, Romans 1, um, at the beginning, Paul begins talking about, uh, he's giving his greeting to the church at at Rome. Um, And going into uh, verse 4, he's talking about Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. And Jesus was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Um, Our salvation is not about us. The gospel is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about anybody else out there. It's about God and his glory. Jesus was sent so that we might come and be, to him through the grace that he gives to glorify God for what he has done in our lives. And that is it. The gospel is God's gospel. But in our sin, for whatever reason, um, we tend to want something to do with our own salvation. And we want to add something to it so that in some way we have some control over our own salvation that we think we can we can provide something to save us because inside of us is something great, right? Um, But this isn't true. However, I I think we as Christians in particular think that we have got it all right. Um, That the gospel we follow and the gospel we believe obviously is the right gospel. Um, I I think, I, I felt led to to go through a little bit, I think we have been lulled into a false sense of security on our gospel and our own beliefs. Um, if we are not constantly checking where we lie with the scriptures, um, I think we're in a dangerous, dangerous place. Um, and so I want to I talk a little bit about some of the gospels that we have created for ourselves as Christians um, in, in specific. Because I think Satan... Doesn't like to work so much in um, big ways. Um, He tried by martyring a whole bunch of Christians, and I think this is, uh, Luther quotes this in his commentary, and I think it's just, it's awesome. He talks about the fact that Satan likes to work by manipulating what is good to be a little bit different so that it still sounds good, but has a taste of what's wrong um, and is sinful. And Luther quotes, and he he says that Satan doesn't like fighting with fire and swords because he's found that this hasn't worked because with the blood of the martyrs, the church has been watered. Uh, I just thought that was an awesome quote. That with the blood of the martyrs, that that with Satan just uh, outright opposing the church, working through people, that in our sin, it's not actually hurt the church, but in a sense watered the church and grown it. I just I thought that was awesome um, but I want to look at some things that we have done um, very much like very much like the Galatians, the Church of Galatia um, in adding maybe just a little bit to the gospel because it's not particularly it doesn't sound wrong uh, it doesn't sound bad um, and I would call these gospels Jesus plus Gospels that we have Jesus in them and that Jesus Exists in our gospel in this but there's there's a little bit more that's needed for salvation just like circumcision uh, With the church of galatia one of the first ones um, And I think this is very prevalent in the culture. We live in here in the bible belt um, is jesus plus works That we believe in jesus and that he he has to save us But we also have to live a very righteous life in order to gain the approval and affections of god That we have to do something to gain his acceptance Because Jesus wasn't enough. That the grace of Christ did not cover us enough to keep us in God's good graces. Um, I, personally, I can tell you from my own life, this was something that was very um, much a gospel I lived by growing up. And it wasn't because of wrong teachings or anything like that, but in my sin, I felt this necessity to to live up to something. to I had to be at church every Sunday. I had to say the right things. I had to do the right things. I had to not sin. And if I did, I had to feel terrible about it. Because if I didn't, in some way, God didn't love me as much. Um, he didn't care for me as much. He didn't actually save me completely. But I need to save myself in that. Um, and this is a, a false gospel. To think that we need Jesus plus something that we add to it. Uh, is completely wrong. Um, another one that's, that's prevalent is Jesus plus our theology. Um, that we think that we need Jesus plus a certain brand of theology, whether that be Reformed, Arminian, dispensational, covenant, whatever it may be. That we need Jesus plus a certain set of beliefs um, in a certain way in order to actually be saved. That that Christ, once again, was not enough. But we have to believe exactly every single thing right. Um, I'm here to tell you right now, I don't think any of us have all of our theology right. Um, I think we're all going to get to heaven one day and go, I was very wrong about that. I mean, very wrong. Um, But that's why we keep coming back to the scriptures. Another one that's out there, uh, Jesus plus a worship style uh, or a church style so to say. Some are too traditional, some are too contemporary. Um, I can't worship here, I can't do this here, I can't live in community with this church, I can't do this over here with this church, because something in that um, is not exactly right. That in some way, we cannot worship God because of that church. And that's saying that Jesus wasn't a good enough mediator between you and God, and the Spirit isn't living in you to create worship in you in a community of believers, that you in some way need uh, a methodology to save you as well. That you need stuff done in a certain way so that you can actually worship God because you can't worship him without this certain uh, setting, whatever it may be. Um, Another one that's out there is Jesus plus health and wealth or, or money. That we need Jesus to save us but we also need a really fat bank account to actually live in comfort and peace. Um, And if we don't, we're in sin. Um, If we don't, things aren't going right. We're anxious, we're living in fear that in some way Jesus wasn't enough to accomplish grace and peace for us, like Paul extends in the beginning of the letter. But that we need this little bit of extra whatever it may be to actually obtain real grace and peace in our life. I think there are a ton of different ones out there. There's there's probably more than you could ever count. You can probably take any little thing and find somebody who has taken the gospel and added maybe just a little bit to it. And this is not a true gospel. Um, it takes away from the glory of God. It gives us, in some way, ownership over our own salvation, that we had something to do with it, that Jesus wasn't enough. And that robs glory from God Almighty, who gave us grace in Jesus. And we have to fight and discern and look for these these false gospels in our own lives. And we need to repent of them, we need to run back to Jesus. Um, And finally, and this just leads real well into the last point that I think Paul makes here. Finally, we see that the gospel, this true gospel, is all about Jesus. Um, verse 6, um, he's astonished that you're quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Uh, he synonymously, um, interchangeably uses Jesus and the gospel. Um, they're the same thing in, the, in this verse. That we're turning from him and we're going to a different gospel. That Jesus, in it of himself, is the gospel. We see later in verse 7 that it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in verse 12, he says it's not man's gospel, but he received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And if you read in Acts, that revelation was about Jesus Christ. The gospel is always totally, solely, completely about Jesus. We must run back to Jesus always to find out if it's a real gospel, to find out if it's a true gospel. Because at the heart of the gospel is Jesus, and without Jesus there is no gospel. In the beginning, God created us for His glory to worship Him. And we took His glory and we exchanged it for ourselves, for our own glory, or for the glory of something else rather than God. And because of that, we deserve condemnation and hell for eternity. But Jesus... And I think it's so important you hear that. But Jesus came. And he died on a cross. And he took our sins. And he took the wrath of God upon himself. And he died. So that you and I might have the grace of God in our lives to live for him and for his glory. And we live in anticipation of the day when he comes back and lives among us and we live in his presence and we glorify him daily for who he is and what he's done. The gospel is all about Jesus. There are a lot of voices out there. Um, There's a lot of different things that are vying for our attentions, that are trying to talk louder than what Scripture has to say, and what the Spirit has to say to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we walk along and we're listening to the gospel, we can't let ourselves get drowned out by the noises and the other things that are calling out for us to turn to. We must come back to the gospel that Paul speaks about here. We have to come back to Jesus. We have to come back to the only gospel that is grace-filled, that is powerful, and that is all about Jesus. That's what we have to do, and that's what we're called to do as Christians. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for what you have come to do. What you have done in us as Christians, God. For those of us that are Christians, we thank you for coming, Jesus, and dying and taking our sins. That we might glorify God for who he is and what he has done. That we might give him the glory for being the creator of all of us. That we might give him the glory for sending you to die for us. God, I pray as we walk through our life, as we walk through our day, as we go through our week, God, I pray we listen intently, we listen with gospel ears, that we can discern the truth from the lie, God, that Satan is working and our sin is working against us, God, to bring us to turn from you to a different gospel to worship something else, to give glory to something else rather than you, God. I pray that we listen intently, that we might follow you, Jesus, that we might love you, and we might thank you for the salvation you've given us. Jesus, I thank you so much for the gospel. I thank you for what it came to do, what it accomplished in us, God. I pray, God, That we, we fall in love with the gospel. That we apply it to our lives in every circumstance that we come back to you, Jesus. We love you so much, and it's in your name I pray. Amen.